Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 110. Today, I am hanging out with Katie Denowden. This girl, we call her KDO. She is going to walk us through how to reset, whether that's mentally, physically, in business, in life. This girl is the queen at pivoting and looking at where she is headed and if she's in a funk, which let's be honest, we all get in funks, how to reset. The best news is you don't have to wait for a new month, a new week, a Monday, a new year. You can reset at any point of time. And Katie is the most infectious person to tell us exactly how to do that. So let's dive into today's show. And trust me, maybe after today, you're like, yep, I need a reset. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop style business podcast for creative girl bosses. So you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work, and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Who are we fooling? You hate ads, right? It's like, just give me the content and stop trying to sell me on another thing. Guess what? I heard you loud and clear. So loud and clear that I'm doing something totally radical and I'm letting go of all of my sponsorships. Now, I might be crazy, but bear with me, because when I started this show, The Gold Digger Podcast, it was all about impacting people with the best free education out there. And so to align with my mission, this show is not sponsored anymore. But it is brought to you by our free Pinterest resource, The Ultimate Pinterest Guide. That's right. It's entirely free and a full seven-page guide to help you crack the code on Pinterest. Just get your hands on it by going to www.jkpinterest.com and snag it. That's right. Another free resource made especially for you at jkpinterest.com. Enjoy. Now, let's get to the good stuff. Are you guys ready? 
All right, guys, today I get to introduce you to one of the sweetest, most infectious women that I've gotten to talk to on this show, my sweet friend, Katie Den Auden. She has lived a lifetime in her few decades after becoming her mother's caretaker at a young age. Katie was forced to ask the question, what really matters in life? And she decided to answer that for herself. But let's be honest, like most big questions, we struggle. And Katie felt bogged down by the constant pressure to please everyone and to fix her But eventually, she found the methods to live life by design and not by default and had a complete reset of her mindset and was able to overhaul her whole life. Now, Katie is going out to help women do the same. And I love that she can focus on that one sweet spot for her audience, the intersection of soul and strategy. Katie is a brilliant health guru, a businesswoman and strategist, and is ready to help her fellow ladies and gold diggers. So, Over the last decade, Katie has researched, trained, developed principles, roadmaps, tools, and strategies to help thousands of women find their freedom, to unleash their best lives, and to create wildly successful online businesses. Katie, I don't even know how all that can sum up one human, but that is who you are. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, babe. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I mean, you guys just listen to her voice. I like get on here and I'm like, I feel like I can drink a cup of coffee because I get to hang out with Katie. So welcome to the show. We are so thankful to have you. Let's just kick things off like all good episodes do. And I would love to just hear about your journey and kind of what your story is that landed you to where you are today. Oh, yes. Stories, journeys, they're so beautiful. Um, So I'm going to take us back a little bit. I grew up in Iowa, Midwest, represent. There was a lot of really beautiful things about my childhood that shaped great things into me today. But oftentimes, you know, it's the challenges that really mold us. And looking back, I can see that clearly. So for myself, when I was like five or six years old, my parents divorced and my older brother and I, we split time between them, which is actually pretty common. But what was really unique about my circumstance was that my mom actually had multiple sclerosis. And so for those of you who don't know MS, it's a disease and affects your like nervous system. So things like your mobility, vision, speech, like your brain. And it can affect different people in a wide variety and life expectancy differently. So when I was really young, though, my mom, she was still kind of mobile, but there was definitely impacts of the disease, like on her personality, her memory and her energy. And so uh, throughout like elementary school, I can specifically remember in like third grade. And when I say this now, it's like crazy, but I did my own laundry. I got myself up for school. I would like walk myself to school. I made my mom take me to the grocery store so I could pick out like what I was going to eat. And so let's be honest, like what eight-year-old chooses healthy foods? So we're talking like (laughs) Snickers, Jell-O cups with Cool Whip, like frozen (laughs) dinners, all this kind of stuff. It was like, it was kind of like a young kid's like dream for that piece. So my brother and I, we did the, all the cleaning or like a lot of the cleaning, the house, the yard work, that kind of stuff. And as this progressed, so by the time I was in, let's see, junior high, My brother was in college. My mom, she was using a walker, but she was often like forgetting things. So she wouldn't remember to pick me up from something or she couldn't remember how to get somewhere to pick me up. Also, I was like 12, 13 years old. I remember like paying bills because they would just sit on the table and I got really good at being resourceful 
and like getting friends' parents to like like me or almost like adopt me. <laughs> I mean, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm a great kid. <laughs> but it was take me, <laughs> take me. I'm great. But it was it was almost like a, a strategy or a tactic so that I could still thrive. And let me preface this because people will be like, "Oh my gosh, that's so terrible." But when I look back on my childhood, there was a lot of great stuff. I had a ton of friends. I played sports. I did really well in school, like tons of laughter, tons of play. But what I was doing as I was growing up was like I was designing what I needed in order to thrive versus just like letting life happen to me and feeling like stuck or held back or having an excuse for why I couldn't create maybe what other kids were having or what I wanted in my life. And a lot of people will be like, wait, what happened with your dad? So the crazy, I'm going to say juxtaposition because I love that word so much, but the crazy Mm -hmm. thing was that my dad remarried. He was total suburban, upper middle class, totally stable, totally involved, totally supportive when I was with him. So I was living in two different worlds, one where I got to be a kid and one where I was really taking on more of a parental role. So fast forward into college. This is all kind of set in the stage for, for what's to come. I was in college. I was in another state. And halfway through college, I decided I was going to study abroad in New Zealand. And at this point, I was still like the primary caretaker of my mom. I was making sure everything at home was okay. And I just, I needed to take the leap. It's like when something just calls to you and you're like, yes, I have to do that. And still, I was like, I can design my life. I can do this. And it was about a month and a half into being there. And I got a phone call and my brother had called and he said, you know, mom's in the ICU. She has an infection and there's a very small chance of her living. And so... With that phone call, like my world just kind of stopped. I couldn't control anything. I couldn't take care of anything. I felt really hopeless. I felt really kind of helpless with it, especially because I had almost taken on that caretaker role and like I could do everything. And let me preface this. My mom is still with us. She's a stubborn little fighter. But for the last 10 years, actually 12, 13 years now, we've had like numerous bouts of her in the ICU. We didn't think she'd make it. The doctor's coming out. We don't think she's going to make it. Then going into rehab and then surgeries and then nursing homes. And she's in a nursing home now and she's safe and she's happy for the most part. But with that phone call and that experience during and everything after, it created chaos it created that feeling of life was happening to me and I couldn't do anything about it. And so in like a matter of days, literally from that phone call, I started using food and achievement to like feel in control of my life. And it was just like the downward spiral that happened. I see it with so many women, not to maybe the same extent or drastic piece, but like we feel like we don't have a choice. We feel like we're stuck. We don't know what to do. And then it just, it all kind of like starts spiraling. So I ended up having depression. I developed an eating disorder. My hormones got totally out of whack. I didn't have a period for like a year and a half. I tried antidepressants for like two days and had to stop because I felt crazy. (laughs) It just, I had so much like guilt and like loneliness and trying to make things perfect so that I would feel okay. But really, I just felt stuck and felt confused and like overwhelmed. I was like 19. I was like, why can't I just buck up and get myself out of it? All these things that we say, like, can I be more motivated? Can I be more disciplined if I could just do this? Mm-hmm. And no. And so what happened is I actually, I ended up finishing my senior year of college. I had finished it long distance. So I was actually living with my mom. I was like a 24-hour nurse. I didn't have any friends because they're all at college living the 20-year-old life, which they should be. I was like working two jobs, an internship. I was trying so hard to to get back to who I was. And I just, I couldn't get there because 
you know, life has changes. And if we aren't like prepared or have the tools or the mindset, we don't always know how to like navigate it. And it was another defining moment. My dad, he pulled me aside and he had this conversation. He was just like, what are you doing? And it was very loving and it wasn't like me. It was like, what are you doing? <laughs> this isn't your life. Like you, you have a choice. You need to go and do something and live. And, you know, I had, I had forgotten those younger, that muscle memory of when I was younger, the habits of, you know, I got this, I can figure this out. The resourcefulness, like I can choose how it's going to be. So with that one conversation, which you'll see as a theme through everything of I had the choice. So I set up my mom's care. I actually applied for grad school. It was just like the first program. I was like, school psychology, great. <laughs> and I moved to Colorado. And it was that action, that one action and creating some kind of momentum, some kind of change that allowed me to really start and remember, I should say, like being able to design my life, to choose my life. And just the freedom that came with that. So I was how it speed up to where I am today. That was a huge defining moment, that choice, being able to shift it, make sure things are okay. And I was about a year and a half into the school psych program. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to do this for my life. It was like the catalyst I needed to shift out of a circumstance. But I was like, I don't know what I want to do, but not this. And this is another theme for me. And so I felt trapped again. And so one night I was just like, what do I want to do? And so I Googled literally like a strand of 10 words that I was like passionate about. And I hit like search and the Institute for Integrative Nutrition came up, which was like a, a holistic program about coaching. And so I realized I had a choice. I signed up right then. No idea what I was going to do with it. A month later, I figured out for the credits I had taken that I could transfer them into another master's program and finish it up, which was all like educational psychology, which to this day, it was like a godsend because it was all like how people learn, how people take action, like everything of what I do now. And so it was like, okay, I finished that up. At this time, I was still working full time as I was going to grad school in IIN, the Integrative Nutrition School. I was working as a program manager at a university. And it was great. The people I was working with were wonderful. It wasn't my passion though. And it had gotten to a point where it's like, you feel in the chest, you're like, this isn't the right thing. I don't know what it's supposed to be, but again, not this. And I got to travel, you know, all over this job. I was in DC with my boss and we were sitting, I can remember plain as day what I was wearing. We were sitting in the lobby of a hotel and he was trying to pay me a compliment. And he's like, Katie, he's like, you know what? You're going to make a great department assistant someday. <laughs> You're like, no. In my head, I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, I wouldn't be like the president of the college. And I realized like in the moment, I, I was being surrounded by people who didn't dream bigger for me than I did for myself. And so I came home from that trip. I was like crying. I was married by this point. I told my husband and I was like, I can't do this. And so I actually prayed about it. And three days later, I put in my notice and I had, I was like the breadwinner at the time. My husband was adjuncting at a college, which if you guys know, adjuncts make like nothing, health insurance, everything. And I, I put in my notice and I was like, I got to get some coaching clients. <laughs> and so for the next three weeks, I'd go to work. I would come home. I'd work till like three, four in the morning, creating a program because I had finished the training. I knew, knew those pieces. I created a program. And basically as soon as that job wrapped up, I launched the program and that launched me into coaching. And really I, I focused on a lot of like the food pieces, the health pieces when I first started and which was beautiful. I loved it, but bringing me to where I am now, really, it was working with so many different people and realizing that 
So many of the barriers that were keeping them stuck with food were the same things that were keeping them stuck with like finding relationships they felt really valued in, feeling stuck within their financial peace, feeling stuck within their job or their careers. And I didn't want to do just like one Band-Aid or one tool focused on one topic. I really wanted to get to the root to help people shift and kind of reset their minds and feel like they had a choice to really, and the phrase I use is like design their life instead of feeling like they have to default and stay stuck in kind of that that hamster wheel of life just happening. And so what I get to do now, there's a lot of pieces in between here, but what I get to do now is I work with women in programs and it's all on specific areas part of my journey, but what I've gotten to work with women on of, okay, what do we need to uncover? What do we need to discover? What do we need to let go of? What do we need to shift and embrace? And what tools do you need? And the strategy to really live your life by design and create what you want with the choice and the freedom and the joy that comes with it. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That is amazing. Like I could just marinate in that story all day. Like Isn't it wild? I mean, this is totally not what I plan to talk about for a second, but isn't it wild when you're in seasons of life and you question like, why am I going through this? Or what is the purpose in this? Or how can this really be the plan for me that it doesn't make sense? But then when you look back at all of these crazy little tiny instances, notions, comments, things, it all makes sense. So it kind of makes me wonder, why do we ever doubt this, right? (laughs) A thousandfold. Like I, I didn't mention it while we, as I was going through the story, but like at one point I was for a summer, I was like a wedding coordinator planner, which taught me unbelievable skills for like event planning, launching programs, like all the stuff in the business I do now, which at the time it was like, I have no idea what I'm doing this, but I'll run with it. <laughs> Let's give it a shot. <laughs> Why not? Try it on. Oh, that's amazing. So one thing that I thought was so interesting about your story, and I think that a lot of people can really relate to this is I believe that a lot of entrepreneurs are go-getters. They're ambitious. But sometimes even when you are so ambitious, you're not going places. Kind of explain what that was like for you when you had this drive, but it wasn't necessarily taking you to overnight success or painting the perfect picture of what you were envisioning. Totally. Oh gosh, sister. (laughs) Um, Yeah, for me, it was especially when I was kind of in the in-between of where I hadn't hit like, oh, I know I want to teach and educate people on this specific topic. It was kind of in the in-between. And I was working at the university. I was like trying on all these programs. And it was like, I'm ambitious. I'm going to take on all this stuff. It was just taking on more and more stuff because I wasn't clear necessarily on what I wanted. I didn't know exactly maybe who I wanted to be what I wanted to have, what I wanted to do, what I wanted to feel in my life. And so the ambition piece was there. It was the lacking the the clarity piece. And so it was almost like I was trying on everyone else's desires and beliefs and shoulds. And almost like just felt like I was spinning my wheels because that momentum and that passion and almost like that electricity we feel when we're in alignment with ourselves, it just wasn't there and I was doing all these things too. It was kind of funny because like I was ambitious and because I wasn't in alignment, I was also trying to play it safe at the same time. So it's like, I'm trying to run mm-hmm. forward, but like there's a band around my waist, like with a thousand pound weight behind <laughs> me. I'm like, yeah, good one. And that's what it felt like. Cause I, I hadn't done that deeper work to actually be ambitious in something that would propel me forward and experience it in that way. 
Absolutely. And what I see in you is that you're an achiever and you're probably used to like doing things well. And even if you're not passionate about them, you know, you could like get by and be good at it. And I think a lot of times in life, sometimes we have to let go of being good so that we can really pursue greatness. And I think that a lot of achievers and a lot of perfectionists and a lot of doers, sometimes we just add more and more to our plate so that we feel like what we're accomplishing is the mission But sometimes our mission is way more simplified than what we're putting out there. Have you experienced that? Massively. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just giggling at myself at how true the statement is. I feel like especially, I'd love to hear your insights on it, but I feel like especially as entrepreneurs, when you're first starting out with your own business, you almost feel like I have to do everything, be everything. I need to, we haven't developed that crystal clarity or that confidence yet. And so for me, especially in my business, when I was first starting, I was like, I was trying to do everything. I was trying to do, I think you talk about this too. I was like every social media platform, every kind of workshop, every different way of coaching, every different topic that you could bring up that I could teach someone on. And it actually got to a point about two, two and a half years into my business where I was like, I just, this is too much. I don't even want to do it anymore. And so I had to like basically simplify to the max get really honest with myself and be like, okay, what are my strengths? What are, what can I bring to the table? What really lights me up? And basically just clear away all the rest, like put it on a table, examine all of it. Be like, yep, that's not me. That's not me. That is me. That's a 10. I'm going to keep that and take away the rest. It's created so much more, I think, freedom, enjoyment. And I think even reaching way more people because I have done that. Is that, have you felt the same? Absolutely. Oh, like, you know what came to mind? You're you're going to be with me on this one. I know you are, but people are probably going to be like, wait, what? Okay, think of when you go to a restaurant and they literally specialize in everything. And so the menu is like 10 pages long. And then you just default to whatever you always get because you're too overwhelmed to make a decision. And I feel like as entrepreneurs, we're putting out that menu trying to please everybody, but we're not actually pleasing anyone. We're just settling for mediocre because our messaging isn't clear. And once you find that clarity, it feels weird because you're so crystal clear that everything is simplified where it's almost like, should I be doing more? Am I like not doing enough? But I would way rather go to a restaurant that specializes in one thing than to go somewhere that has all the things on the menu that leaves me overwhelmed. And I feel like that as entrepreneurs is kind of the refinement process, you know? Absolutely. It's like Cheesecake Factory. Cheesecake Factory menu of like 3,000 pages. (laughs) You're like, how do they make spaghetti and pad thai? And wait, they specialize in cheesecake? Tell me how this works. And I even in my head, I'm like, how many resources and ingredients do they have to have back there? Which equates to even our business of like, how much stuff do you have to collect to be able to be that widespread and not do any of it well? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yes. We will be the specialist. We will specialize in one thing instead of having the whole menu. Yes, please. (laughs) So I want to know, like, how do you feel different now based on like what you used to be? Like, how does that feel different when you're in alignment? How does it feel different when you're purpose driven or when you kind of have that clarity? Explain what that feels like. Mm -hmm. Feel. First off, I actually feel my life and get to experience my life versus trying to control it or fix it. Or at least I aim for that. So how I get to feel and experience my life now, I feel like true freedom. 
the ability for choices, the ability to actually show up as myself. I feel like deep joy and gratitude. I feel much more immense love for myself. And in turn, because of that, I have so much more love for others. Purposeful, and I feel really confident. And I hate to use this because I feel like it's kind of overused, but I feel really empowered. Like I don't feel like, oh, I have to wait for someone else to give me permission or someone else to make a decision. Like I, I just own that. And Meryl Streep, I love me some Meryl Streep. She once said, she's like, I want yep. to feel my life when I'm in it. And I've really kind of taken that on for a lot. Like I truly believe like women who allow themselves to have a direct experience with their lives and really allow themselves to experience their feelings and their sensations and their intuition and allow themselves to desire it, like they are freaking world changers, like straight up. They don't, it's not women who are perfect who really impact the world in a positive way. It's the women who allow themselves to feel their lives, to be in it, all those kind of pieces. And that's, I think the difference is I'm like, I actually am experiencing my life and living it versus the piece of controlling it, trying to fix it. And I, I have to be clear with this because people always ask me like, Oh, so you're just happy all the time. I'm like, no, 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 wait. <laughs> Hold up. Back the truck. Back up. it up, girlfriend. Because <laughs> it, it's not about always being happy. Not at all. Because happy is a feeling that can be fleeting. It's definitely not that things are never hard or challenging. But it's really that mindset and that belief and that ownership to be able to show up, to be able to choose joy, to be able to choose design, and be able to choose exactly how we want to feel and experience our lives. So... I think that is amazing. And I think that it is something that we should all strive for. And I I definitely want to pick your brain because I feel like there are seasons (laughs) as entrepreneurs and seasons of like pure clarity and then seasons of spinning your wheels. And I think too, what I've noticed in my business is like a lot of the seasons as an entrepreneur are a reflection of what is happening in our internal life and like our external resources. And so, you know, there are definite seasons when we have to have either like that breaking point or where we have to just have a reset. So kind of talk about that as an entrepreneur or just as a human being in full. Mm -hmm. Yes, totally the seasons piece to the, yes. I think you have or had or will at some point have Sarah Adler. Her and I talk about seasons all the time and the need for seasons. So I... The analogy I kind of like to use, I'll go with like business first, is it's not about like being on all the time. And it's not about, I think we can get in that mindset of like, okay, I got to crush it now. What's the next thing? And what's the next goal? And I need to bring this many people onto my list. And they're all beautiful things. I love ambition and drive with it. But I love to use the analogy of like, if someone's climbing Everest, the big goal, the pinnacle, obviously it's to summit, summit the mountain. But when you climb Everest, you come to the base camp. And then you acclimate and you're like learning and your body's adjusting and your life is adjusting and you're like kind of synthesizing all those lessons together. And then you go the next trek and you hit the next camp. And that's where you have to acclimate and be like, okay, take inventory. What have I learned? What do I need? Are my supplies okay? You know, am I, I'm going to use this kind of analogy going back and forth, but like, am I in alignment? Am I making the right choices? And then you go to the next one. And so for me, I, the seasons piece, I really focus on seasons so that I can acclimate. And so that, you know, three, five years from now, I'm not sitting there and being like, how, how did I end up here? That I was so busy that I didn't pause, that I didn't take that season for rest and reflection that, you know, I'm like, I'm nowhere where I want to be or who I want to be in that space. 
Oh, I feel that. And I think that, you know, we walk through so many seasons and what I've noticed in myself too is having that control piece that you talked about. And I think too, with terms of like eating disorders or anxiety or depression or things like that, we're always just seeking for controlling things when other aspects of our lives are uncontrollable or out of our control. And so I feel like a lot of times we don't even, we're not even aware of what we're doing. I know like in the grieving process of our miscarriages, I just made myself busier so that I didn't have to face it head on. Have you had experiences like that? Yeah. It's a natural human tendency. It's a way for us to protect ourselves. Our brain is like, oh, this is almost too much. So if I keep myself busy or avoid this piece, it's kind of the lie that we tell ourselves of like protect ourselves. So actually in the first couple years of my business, I was newly married and my husband was just going through a lot of stuff of almost like anxiousness, a lot of stuff he was working with. And it was a really, really hard and challenging time for our marriage. And I found myself, and that was why after like two and a half, three years, I had to like totally step back. But it was why I was like, I'm going to focus on work. I'm going to focus on work. I'm going to be ambitious. I'm going to control this. Everything's going to be okay. Because I was trying to like create that form of protection for myself to be able to semi-function life versus developing the ability to feel those emotions and be present in it and take a step back. And so that was a huge, huge piece. And I'm, it was a, incredibly hard time, but I'm so grateful for the lessons I taught with that because now I'm developing even more of the muscle of being like, okay, wait a minute. I'm pushing and I'm striving. I'm going for this. But the light bulb goes on of like, wait a minute, I need to take a step back, kind of reevaluate, get really true with myself before I take the next action piece. Excuse the interruption. I know you are enjoying this content and your brain feels like it might explode. And so I wanted to drop in and remind you of our totally free resource created with you in mind. If you're only on Pinterest pinning recipes, fashion inspo, and home decor, it is time to up-level your pinning game and get more Pintentional with your strategy. This show isn't brought to you by a sponsor, and I'm sparing you on the ads, but it is made possible by our free Ultimate Guide to Pinterest, and I want you to get your hands on it. Cool? So hop on over to jkpinterest.com, grab your copy, and start rocking Pinterest with intention today. Hit pause, go get your guide, and then we can jump right back into today's show. I'll see you over at jkpinterest.com. Now back to the good stuff. Absolutely. So what I'm excited to pull in today and to just hear from you about is like, what does a reset on your health look like for you personally? And then how do you kind of take that personal experience and turn it into a teaching, a place that you can teach other people to do the same? Totally. So I have to laugh at this <laughs> because for health wise, like my gateway into like healthy eating was like a 30 day raw food cleanse, which I don't, I don't wish that on anybody. How did you do that? I have no <laughs> idea. I, I mean, there's some maybe beautiful pieces in it. Anyhow. Yes. <laughs> so how I view it now is so different. Like I've tried so many different dietary approaches, so many weird, like crazy cleanses before. And what I found like going through all that working with some people is like to reset our health, we make it way more complicated than it needs to be. And when we can like keep it simple, and this is for myself, but when we can pay attention and be like, you know what? I'm kind of dragging when I wake up in the mornings or, you know, I'm trying to work on this project or I'm talking with someone in mid sentence. I'm like, wait a minute, 
I don't even remember what I was saying. And so for me, it's like those indicators, like, wait, am I not, am I showing up the best that I know I can? And if I'm not, it's like, okay, what do I need to shift? What do I need to adjust? And much more gentle being like, oh, I feel a little puffy. My menstrual cycle is a little bit off. Asking what I need to be like put in place. And then just, I call it designing, but like designing and creating conditions for success so that those little tweaks, if I'm like, oh, you know, I kind of need to not be having so much sugar (laughs) or end this piece is in, that I can ask the right questions and be like, okay, what's the sugar giving me? Okay. The sugar is making it feel carefree. It's making me feel fun. It's making me feel celebratory when I have cake. If I'm drinking, you know, I feel like, oh, I'm having too much wine. It's just not making me feel as good. It's like, oh, wine makes me feel like sophisticated. Wine makes me feel like cozy and relaxed. And so it's like, okay, for this next couple of weeks, as I nourish my body, kind of bring it back to balance and where it thrives, what do I need to put in place so that I can be successful and make choosing those good foods, those nourishing foods really easy for myself? Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And I think that so many of us, especially women, we don't understand how deep our relationship with food is and like how complex it is. And I know that, I mean, I've been on this journey for, I mean, my entire life, but really digging into it the last few years. And there are so many mental blocks and barriers and so many comforts that we find from food that doesn't necessarily fuel us in a way that gives us like optimal results. And so it's really interesting how much our mind plays in this, not just like what we're putting into our mouth, but how we're thinking about it or what we're seeking out of it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know if I've met a woman (laughs) and I've worked with a lot and just friend size, but I don't know if I've met a woman who doesn't have that inextricably connected relationship with food. It's its just a lot of how we're raised. It's part of our culture. And I don't know about you, but I definitely wasn't raised with tools or even conversations around being able to, to kind of dissect that and be able even to be empowered to ask myself those questions until I was like, 25, 26, 27 years old. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we've talked about kind of a mindset reset when it comes to health. What does a business reset look like in your terms? If you're thinking like, okay, if you're in a hard season or you're not quite sure what alignment looks like, or you're just spinning your wheels, what would it look like to have a business reset? Ooh, this is a juicy one. <laughs> <laughs> business reset. The first thing that comes to mind for me is I wrote a, gosh, it had to have been like three years ago, four years ago. I wrote a blog post and it was called Change Your Average. If you're not feeling motivated or clear, change your average. And what I meant by that was so much of your clarity, your energy, all of those pieces will come from whoever you're surrounding yourself with. And so if Mm -hmm. I, how reset wise, if I'm like, okay, I need a reset in my business. Previously, I'd be like, okay, who do I need to surround myself with? Who do I need that asks me those juicy questions? And I'm also invested in their business and their lives. And now, and I highly recommend this for any business person, but I actually have a, a mini mastermind and we meet twice a year for like four to six days. And we just dive in. We dive into the grit. We ask the hard questions. There's tears shed. There's like snotty Kleenexes, all this kind of stuff. But it helps us to gain that clarity, to reset and be like, okay, yeah, this is what I'm about. And I am really good at this. These are my strengths. It kind of gives that pump up, that clarity with it and gives that fresh perspective and the strategy to stay in alignment versus, you know, waiting two years down the line and being like, wait, what? So I would say that would be one of my biggest pieces. I know you were in a mastermind or maybe you still yes. are. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, there is just so much power in a lot of times we're so isolated that we don't even recognize some of the things we're doing or the way that we're self-sabotaging or the way that we're letting fear like hold tight on us. And sometimes we need to just put ourselves in those situations where A, people are just going for it and like facing fear and just saying, I'm doing it anyways. And B, putting ourselves in a place where people can call us out on that or recognize that maybe we're struggling and we haven't even taken the time to recognize that ourselves. And so I think it's just such a beautiful thing to commit to something and say like, I'm going to show up regardless of what state I'm in or my business is in. And I'm going to just lay it all on the table so that by the time I leave, I'm off of the fence. Like I'm not just chilling there waiting to make a move. And so I think that that is so, so powerful. Yeah. It's been probably one of the best decisions I've made being really intentional who I spend my time with, but intentionally setting those, that time aside twice a year, at least to do that. And the second piece with this for reset wise, when I'm feeling I'm just defaulting or I'm just getting in that hamster wheel, or I just need to kind of like recalibrate. It's really simple, but I just ask myself, okay, what do I want to feel in my life? What do I want to be in my life? What do I want to do in my life? And what do I want to have in my life? So it's be, feel, do, have. I kind of mix the order up there. And I think we can overcomplicate it. We're like, oh, it's, you know, this month journey we have to go on to like reset. It's like, no, we just got to ask the right questions. And the second piece with that piece would be once I make that list, I just go through and I kind of filter. I'm like, okay, what's on here that really isn't my belief? It's my desire, something I felt like I should take on. And then I just start taking that off. So it really simplifies it and really gets it clear. And then I'm able to like own that piece and feel grounded and able to design versus defaulting or reaching or grabbing for different things. I love that. Don't you think that FOMO plays a huge part in us making bad decisions for our business and our lives? (laughs) Like the fear of like missing out. I feel like when you actually write down a list of the things that you're excited about in your business and life and things you're not excited about, if you looked at those things that you were like, I'm not really excited about this, but I said yes, because I feel like a lot of times we have this fear that we're going to miss out on opportunities or relationships or connections that could serve us. But I've started to like really honor the fact that like I would rather bet on myself a million times over than to just take chances because I'm afraid that I'm missing out on something else. I know that is so random, but do you ever feel like when you actually sit down and say, is this aligned or is this not aligned? A lot of times it's total FOMO that's making us say yes to things we shouldn't. It's total FOMO. (laughs) It's so funny though. It's like fear of missing out and fear of not succeeding. And Mm -hmm. I will do this. Like I am not a big social media person. And maybe I'll eat my words and in six months I'll be like, oh my gosh, it's the best thing ever. <laughs> but I will get on because I like to keep up with my friends and a couple people. And I'll get on and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I need to be doing this. I need to be doing this. I'm like totally missing out on this. That kind of looks fun. And I go through this whole mental process. And then I like check myself before I wreck myself. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> These are not my strengths. These are my strengths, and this has worked beautifully with connecting with these people, and it lights me up. There's, I can't remember who said it, but it stuck with me, and it was someone who's like, instead of having FOMO, what if you actually framed things in JOMO, which is the joy of missing out? Like, what do you gain? What kind of joy do you gain? How do you get to create your life by things of what you do miss out on because it's not really for you? And so I've tried to really shift my thinking into, okay, this is the joy of missing out. I, I don't need to be a part of that versus the fear. 
I love that. I'm gonna take Jomo into my Jomo, life. baby. <laughs> oh, I feel like it is though. It's funny because you'll hear people that have quote made it, and they'll like talk about their one big break. And I feel like so many people are waiting for what that one big break is going to be in their life, and that in turn makes them start to commit to things that aren't the right fit because they're thinking like, what if this is it, or what if it is that one turning point? And I know, I mean, we get so many requests every single day to speak at events or to be with these. People people or to shoot this certain thing. And all of them sound beautiful and lovely and wonderful, but if they're not in alignment, then I cannot say yes. And I think that it goes back to your clarity piece. Like until you are clear, you're never actually going to be able to like define like where you're moving towards. And therefore it's like aimless. Oh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> hey, all dogs are welcome on the show. What is your dog's uh, name? Elka. She's a 10 pound ferocious guard dog. Yes. Oh, she sounds scary. I like it, girl. Um, but no, yes, you will totally wander aimlessly with that piece. And yeah. the clarity piece is huge. And I found it's like asking those questions and then being willing to give an honest answer, especially as entrepreneurs. Okay. I have two final questions. So question number one is what is it do you think about a fresh start that is so appealing, that is so liberating, that is something that so many of us are seeking, whether it's a Monday or the start of a new year? Why are we so excited when it comes to fresh starts? I'm going to go with feelings first and then maybe a little bit of science. Okay. Fresh start, it gives us it's newness. It gives us hope. It gives us a belief that things may be different. It gives us almost like a mindset trick, not in a bad way, but in a beautiful way. And it gives us that feeling of, of choice. So we have the choice to maybe do things differently, emphasize more of the pieces that we loved before, but also maybe shift some of the pieces that, that weren't helping us or weren't serving us. And so the science piece of it with a fresh start is we have the, the ability to create, let me get a little nerdy for a second, but we can create like new <laughs> neural pathways. So like our habits in our brain, it's almost like if you're walking in the woods and one person goes on a path and there's not really a path there. And then you get a couple more and then a couple more. And then it's like, oh, here's actually a path I can follow. Same thing in our brain. And so when we do habits, it creates the same kind of thing within our brain. And it's like a, a rut or a groove. And so the more we deepen that groove, the more we're likely to default to that. But when we define something, even mentally and use the words of like, this is a fresh start, we're giving ourselves permission to create a different path and start creating more of that groove of what we do want. And so I think giving that fresh start, using that language, giving ourselves the permission to have that choice, it gives us liberation or freedom. Love that. And I think we're all just seeking that. And I want to challenge you guys that you don't have to wait for a Monday or a new month <laughs> or a new year. Like you can seek that at any time. And I know even some days I will wake up and just something will affect my energy or the way I'm going. And it's like, you have to just really choose and make a very honored choice to reset. And it can look very insignificant or it can be like a total life change, but you have to take that ownership piece in order to make it really, really happen. So my last question for you is what is one piece of advice for anyone that just feels like they're stuck or that they need to reset, whether it's mental, whether it's physical, mindset, business, what is that advice? For a reset, and I, whether it's for a short period of time or a long period of time or something small or something big, I've said multiple times, but it's, it's doing the work to realize that you always have a choice and that you always have the freedom 
and permission to do your life differently, to experience it differently, to design it differently. And so I think with this, the last piece of advice with this is for some people, they need big total life changes shifts. Like actually for me, when I moved from Iowa out of that caretaker hundred percent of my time into going to grad school in Colorado, I needed that big shift and change. I was so sucked into that place that I had to get out of it. But I think most people, we can do one small thing that actually starts to create the ripple effect of resetting and changing and shifting other things. I think a lot of people will shy away from a reset, even if it's with food, with our businesses, with our mindsets. They're like, oh my gosh, I have to take on all this stuff. It's going to change everything in my life. And I think the best advice is to start really small. Start with one habit. Start with one thing. You're like, I want to reset this. I want to design this piece. Feel really good about that. Build that muscle memory of accomplishment and belief in yourself. And then add on the next thing. And the people who do it that way, it's actually how I programs-wise and coach-wise, when you do it that way, the ripple effect and the the bigger results from it are way more powerful than someone I find who comes in. It's like tomorrow, I'm going to eat everything healthy. I'm going to wake up at this time. I'm going to do everything my business right. And those people can usually crash and burn. So it's, it's starting small, building that muscle, resetting and realizing you have a choice for everything. Oh, I love that. That is so powerful. And just such a good reminder of start small, work big. You know, nothing happens overnight. I feel like overnight success is probably the biggest myth out there. So Katie, where can everybody find you? Where can they stalk you? Where can they leave you some love? Where can they appreciate you? Fill us in on where we can connect with you online. Yes, they can find me at my website. It's katiedenowden.com. Most of my stuff actually is through email. I don't do as much with social media. If you go to my website, I run challenges throughout the year. They're really fun. The next one will be in the spring. I call it the Live by Design Challenge. And it's 10 days, 10 different ways to just start living your life more by design than default. We've had, gosh, I think we've had 25,000 people go through it. And so that would be one of the best places to get to the website, sign up for that stuff, a lot of the free stuff that I do, and leave me a message. Send me an email. I'd love to connect with, with all of you. Awesome. And we will link to Katie's site and all of the resources on the show notes at golddiggerpodcast.com. Katie, thank you for your story, for your infectious attitude, and for helping us understand that resetting can be something that we choose every day, every week, every month, every year, so that we can really find total alignment and just really be present for the lives that we are living. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. I just adore you and the people that you bring into your tribe. So I am so grateful, truly. How can I not smile when I hear your voice? (laughs) Until next time, gold diggers. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Gold Digger. Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. You gold digging dream chaser, you. 